You are listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. So it was around Palm Sunday, 2012. A church of about 120 people at the time decided they needed to move across a football field and turn this facility into a place where people would come and worship, where, as that song would say, chains would fall and fear would bow and people would be healed. And I remember that Saturday, that very first Saturday that that we took on setting up all this in this building, I thought, it took us 14 hours. And I remember thinking, how in the world will we do this for very long? And here, five and a half years later, we only have one more Sunday to do it. Two weeks from today, we will worship across the street. And it is, yeah, you can clap again. That's fine with me. We'll step into a new season in the next chapter of our church, but I can't help but just reflect over all that God has done in this building and be reminded that moving across the street, it's going to be cool. It's going to be great. It's going to be a space when you walk in it, you're just going to be blown away at what God's allowed us to have and the way we're going to use it and leverage it. But I'm also reminded that what we've seen over the last five and a half years in this church is, is proof that, that God doesn't show up in buildings, that it's not just about facilities, it's not about lights and sound systems, that God moves wherever people are open to it, obedient to it, and allow it to happen. And there's a lot that's changing as we cross the street, but there's a lot that won't. It doesn't change at the core of who we are and in the spirit of who we are. And it doesn't mean that today and next Sunday as we're in this room that God wants to continue to do stuff before we head in that direction. We're not waiting for him to move. We're not waiting for him to continue to something. He's doing it. He's always been doing it. He will continue to do it whether we're here, there, on some bare field or a pasture or a own, whatever. Like God's moved and he's going to continue to move as long as his people are going to be open to it. Amen? Amen? And so today... We're two weeks away, but I believe God wants to do something in this room, in this building, in your life that you, son and daughter of God, are brought into this room with purpose and intention. And so we're excited about what's ahead, but can I say I'm just as excited about what God wants to do in this room today. So let's pray and let's be ready for what he has for us on this Sunday, this day where he's gathered us as a body of believers. Father, thank you that, God, you've always been working, you've always been moving, you've always been trying to draw people unto yourself, that, God, you have died for our sins and you have been spending all of history trying to redeem mankind and draw us back to yourself. And, Lord, thank you for us being allowed to be a part of that story, a part of that plan for being the church, Lord, for being a place where people can come no matter who they are, 
or where they're from or what they look like and be loved and be appreciated and God, more importantly, be shown what it means to know and love Jesus. And God, I pray that the season that lies ahead of us will be fruitful and powerful. But God, I pray over this day specifically, believing, God, that you want to do something in our midst today. That, God, you want to move, that you want to change lives, that you, want, that you have a word for these people. That you have brought out of the distractions of their busy lives, disconnected from the world that dominates their energy so much. And put them under this roof with purpose and intention. And God, whatever that is, just help me not to mess it up. God, whatever it is you want to speak into the hearts and lives of your people, speak it. Just anoint whatever comes from this platform. May it be in alignment with your word and your purpose for this day. And God, use this space to change people's lives once again, like you have so often. And we'll give you the honor and the praise and the glory forever and ever. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Celebrate him, church. Hey, turn around and tell somebody you love them. Tell somebody you're glad to see them in the house of the Lord today. Give them a hug, a handshake, a high five, something that lets them know that you love and appreciate them. Excited to worship alongside of them this day. Amen. Amen. Whew. Good morning, church. How we doing? All right, I'm going to go. Thank you. I'm around. How we doing, church? Everybody good? Yeah, there we go. Good morning, man. It's just, it's exciting to be uh, here worshiping with you today. If today is your first time worshiping with us, we are so glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Matt, and I get to be one of the pastors here at Vintage. Uh, there's a little card in your seat that if you are, if this is your first time worshiping with us, or maybe you've been worshiping with us for a while, but you haven't had the courage quite yet to let us know that, we just, we don't want to hound you. We don't want to show up at your house. We don't want to overwhelm you or, or anything like that, but we just want to thank you for worshiping with us. And if you're looking for a church to call home, I think this one is the best one on the planet. And I'm not biased, I promise. I just think it is. We all have our flaws. Every, no church is perfect because it has people in it. But uh, we, want, amen. We, uh, we want to follow along with you. Uh, and actually, we have an awesome volunteer that I just want to recognize and give some love to today. Um, Darlene Kemp. You, if you're a first-time guest in the last few months, you've probably gotten an email from her. She comes into our office every Monday afternoon for the whole sole purpose of following up with people who worship with us for the first time. Because She's not in the service. She was in our earlier service. But can you just show her some love, acknowledge the fact that she serves us in that way? I say that to say if you fill that card out, you'll most likely get an email from her, and she's just wanting to help you connect and find a new church home. Um, and if this is one of your first Sundays, yes, you heard right, uh, we're about to transition into a new home, something we've been waiting for and praying for two weeks from today. It's weird, man. Uh, people keep asking me, how does it feel? I'm like, I'll tell you when we get there. Amen? Like, somebody you just don't know. It's like, how does it feel to be married? I'll tell you when I'm married. You know what I mean? You just don't know until you get there. But we're excited. But I'm also excited about this series that we're, we're in. I hope that you've been learning something from this series. If you have missed any of these weeks, go back on, on our podcast. Because I think what we've been teaching from God's Word the last several weeks has the potential to really make a difference in your life. Like it has the power to change your year. That I believe that 2018 is going to be like a banner year for so many of us. I believe that for our church, but I believe that for you as an, as an individual. Like, like God wants more for you in 2018 than he did in 2017. Say, like, all right, Matt, how do you know that? Because that's who God is. Come on, somebody. Say amen if you know he's a God of more. 
He is a God of, not like just a little bit more, but more than we can ask or imagine, like abundantly more. But it doesn't happen by accident. Very rarely does anything get better without intention. Very rarely does anything get better without attention. Like all the things that you want to improve in your life are not just going to improve just automatically. They're not just going to magically get better. And so we're encouraging you, yes, as we step into a, a, to a new year, set some resolutions. And I know many of us don't want to do that because the moment I say resolution, you just think failure because that, like, that's your history, like my history. Like we're good at setting resolutions. We're good at keeping resolutions for a couple weeks. But how do we get like in the long term? And like I presented to you that like I think I figured it out based on what I've seen in God's word. That the reason why so many times we don't see the results of the resolutions that we set is because we don't embrace the right routine that will cause those resolutions to be realized. That, that the realization is found in the routine. That you don't need another resolution, you need a new routine. That you can set these resolutions, you can set these goals, but if you don't do the hard work of developing a routine that will make those resolutions realizable. Is that a word? Okay. It is now. Amen. <laughs> then, then no wonder we're not getting it. And that's the, that's the problem with most of us. It's like we set all these goals. I mean, and, and I've taken it into the physical world because that's the easiest one to come. We say, I'll, I'm going to lose 65 pounds. I don't know like you, but like unless something changes, that ain't happening. Like it ain't just, the sun ain't melting it off. Don't you wish that was the way the sun worked? Amen. God, why didn't you do that? I just, anyway, it just doesn't happen. And so we've been talking, all right, this year you don't need another resolution. You need a new routine. And let's let the routine be the resolution. That this year we're going to commit to a new routine that will make those resolutions, those goals, those things we've resolved to see happen in our lives actually possible. So instead of just saying, I want to be a better husband, I want to be a, a better wife, I want to be a better mom, a better dad, uh, a better follower of Jesus, a better teacher, a better whatever it is that you've set that goal. And again, I believe in goals. Because as I've said every week, if you aim at nothing, you usually hit it. If you aim at nothing, you hit it. Like you hit nothing. And so set goals for your life. Have, have dreams for your family. Have dreams for the things that God has given to you. Have goals for your life. But have the courage to set a routine that will make that resolution come to pass. And to do that, we've been diving into a, a powerful passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 12. So I want to read it to you again. Grab your Bibles, or you can look on the screens, or it's in the app on the notes page. Romans chapter 12, pick up with verse 1. I'm going to read it for us again. You with me? You ready? Say amen. Yeah. Romans 12, 1. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Like God, I feel like Paul's giving us this target to aim at, right? Like offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Like if you don't set any other resolutions, let that be it. Like if you're still, even though we're, what, like 14 days in, it's okay. We forgive you. It's all right. Set a resolution to that. Like if you, if, if you claim to know Jesus and want to follow Jesus, have nothing else, said that, hey, this is the year where I am more intimately connected and living consistently for Jesus than any other year I've ever had. Pretty good goal, amen? Set that for yourself. Paul's saying, I urge you, brothers and sisters, like to, to set this target for your life to where you're no longer this compartmentalized Christian. 
where every single day you're a living sacrifice to God? What if you got to the place in your faith where your faith just wasn't dependent on your surroundings? And some people, some of us adults think, oh, that, that's a good sermon to teach to the young folk, the students. But you know what I found? Adults are just as good, if not better, at playing Christian than teenagers. Come on. Because chronologically you've aged, but spiritually you've stayed the same. It gets quiet when I preach real good. I feel like, hmm. Off your bodies to living And then here's the thing. Look what he says next. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is to prophesy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So Paul opens this chapter giving us a target to aim at. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. But then he gives us the perfect roadmap to change. And we've been unpacking that. First, he says that basically you need a new pattern. A new pattern. Verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. That if you're going to see change, if you're going to experience the change and move toward the things that you say you want for your life, then it begins with adjusting to a new pattern, a new routine. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. See, there, you are going to get sucked into a routine. Life is constantly, the world is constantly, culture is constantly trying to pull you into a pattern. And you've got to realize that like, the pattern is what's going to produce the result. So if you want the result that is God-honoring, you're going to have to live by a new pattern. So we said we're going to have to set a new routine. We're going to have to embrace a routine that leads us to being the people that God has called us to be. And so I challenge you that first week, like, what's the routine that you need to embrace that's going to help you see the results you desire? So how are you doing? I don't need you to say it out loud, but how are you doing with that routine? Because, see, for some of us, like, the resolution was hard, but, man, the routine's even harder. Because, man, I didn't realize it was going to take so much work for me to achieve the goal that I had. And anybody else like me, the, the bigger the goals, the, the more difficult the routine. Come on. See, a new pattern says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So you've got to embrace a new routine. But it's not just about the routine. That Paul didn't stop there. He didn't say, okay, create a new routine, stick to it, boom, the end, see you later. The very next thing he says is so important, and we unpacked it last week. He said, not only do you need a new pattern, you need a new pattern from a renewed perspective. He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That like the key to this new pattern is going to be determined by the way that you think. And so often we create a new pattern with an old perspective. And the reason why we can't commit to the new pattern, the reason why we can't follow through with the new pattern is because we're not approaching it with the new perspective. 
that physically, some of us, physically, we moved into 2018. Mentally, we're still back in like 1984 or 2001. Or whenever it was that that crisis happened that changed the way you think and you can't get past it. Amen? And that Paul's saying, hey, okay, the the first thing that's going to need to happen if you're going to stick to this new pattern, this new routine, is you've got to change your mindset. You've got to change the way that you think. That you can have the, the, the right routine without the right mindset still won't produce the right result. The right pattern with the wrong perspective cannot produce the right result. And so last week we started talking about, all right, you really want to embrace this routine? You've got to change the way that you think. Like, you got to change your mind. And some of us, like, we we, we got to break some old thought patterns. And all throughout Scripture, we see things about taking control of your mind, taking captive our thoughts, changing the way that we think. You know what? You won't treat people different until you see them different, and you won't see them different until you start thinking in a different way. So much of it is in the mind that every negative thing just about in your life comes about from a negative thought. And every positive thing in your life comes from a positive way of thinking. So you've got to change the way that you think. And I challenged you last week, what you absorb on a daily basis is impacting the way that you think. That if you want to change your, the way that you think, you have to control what you consume. And we got too much junk in our lives that's warping the way that we think. Come on. And we have to change what we're exposing ourselves to if we're going to change the way that we think. You say, Matt, like I, we've heard all this for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you need to hear it again. It's important. Because Paul is giving us this roadmap to change. And the, re- the, the reality is one piece of this or one wrong turn and you will not experience the result that you're hoping for. And the thing is, Paul's not done. So he starts off, he says, okay, you need a new pattern from a new, renewed perspective. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then I want you to look at verse 4. The next thing he says after challenging us to have a new pattern and a renewed perspective is this. He says, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. See, I think Paul's still giving us this roadmap for change. He says, an, an, a renewed mind. He talks about a new pattern, a new pattern from a renewed perspective. And then the very next thing he mentions to us is the church, is community. That like after he says you need a new pattern and you need a new perspective, the very next thing he references is how the church works and functions and the need for community and relationships. I think Paul's trying to tell us that you need a new pattern from a renewed perspective with the support of the right people. Come on. Like, okay, you want to see that resolution come to pass. You want to achieve that result. There it is. That's how you do it. Like, whatever that goal is you set in your life, you've got to create a new pattern. You've got to embrace a new routine that will will support that resolution, that, that goal that you've set. You need a new perspective. You need to change the way you think, but you also are going to need the support of the right people. Can you imagine how much you would achieve in your life if all three of these things happened inside of you? What if you had, you embraced a new pattern? What if you changed and had a new perspective? And if you had the support of the right people? And see, so many of you, like, you've got the, you've got the right pattern. Something has awakened in your spirit 
and you know what it takes to achieve that thing that you desire, and you're embracing that routine. And then you've said, you know what, I've got a renewed perspective. I'm allowing God to shape the way that I think. But if you don't have the support of the right people, I would submit to you, you'll never see the results you could have. You'll never experience all that God has for you if you don't have the support of the right people. Because after all the scripture that I've read my entire life, this thing has become very true in my own life. This come, I wrote this down in my journal, I think probably about two months ago. And I was reading through my journal. I've just been reflecting over the last few weeks about the journey of this church and that kind of stuff. And I found this line. We can ach- what we can achieve together is greater than what you can accomplish alone. I'll read it again because I expected at least four more amens than I got. So I hope I'll get them this time. What we can achieve together is greater than what you can accomplish alone. It's just true. What we can achieve together is greater than what you can accomplish alone. And that, that desire that you have in your heart for your life, that thing that you want to achieve, those things that you want to see come about, Yeah, the pattern is important and the perspective is important. But if you're going to really see it come to pass, you are going to have to have the support of the right people. And see, some of us, like, you don't buy it. You say, Matt, you don't know how talented I am or strong I am or smart I am or what I can do. And here's the thing. This is what I've, I've learned, though. That thing that you want, even if you can achieve it by yourself, when you do, it will not be as sweet if you get there alone, as it would have been if you'd have had people with you. You know why? Because you got nobody to share it with. And so there's going to be something lacking. I think that's at the heart of what Solomon was trying to communicate in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Flip over to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And now I want you to remember the words. These words are written by one of the, the, the wealthiest, most powerful men ever listed in all the Scripture, King Solomon. He was known for his wisdom and his power. I mean, he perhaps at one point at the height of his power and wealth was not just in biblical figures, in in historical figures, as wealthy and powerful as any human that's ever existed. But I want you to know, in other words, you could say every goal that a human can set, he nailed it. Like he gets there. But I want you to hear just the words of of his heart. Chapter 4, Ecclesiastes, start with verse 8. He said, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Now, it doesn't say he didn't hit his wealth. It didn't say he didn't hit his target. Right? You with me? Say amen. Like he he achieved, his eyes were not content with his wealth. His eyes were not content with his weight loss. His eyes were not content with his new car. His eyes were not content with his degree. Like whatever you want to put. He's like, there was a guy who accomplished this great thing. But what he had found, even though he hit the result, it didn't satisfy him. And you know what I found? That, that when we set goals, sometimes we hit them. And because we either approached them the wrong way or because we didn't allow people to come along the journey with us, when we get there, we think, I thought this would feel better than it does. Anybody ever experienced that? Come on. Like, I, thought, I thought this would feel better than it does. And he's saying there's a man, he, he, he made it, he got there. But what he realized is there was still something missing. And he said this, for whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? 
This too is meaningless, a miserable business. He says, you know what? I've worked and I've sacrificed. I've worked the routine. I've made the sacrifices to make it happen. But I got here and I'm by myself. And what I realize is the result doesn't bring me the satisfaction that I thought it would. Because I'm all alone. And then check this out. Verse 9. Two are better than one. Now, let me give you some really in-depth Bible study about what that means there. It means that two are better than one. That's good. I'm a biblical scholar. (laughs) Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What we can achieve together is greater than what we can accomplish alone. That if you want to hit that target you're aiming at for 2018 and beyond, if you're wanting to achieve that goal, that God ordained, God inspired dream that He's put in your heart, if you're going to hit it, yeah. It's about a new pattern. Yeah, you need a new perspective, renewed perspective, but you're also going to have to have the support of the right people. And can I say to you, that's why God has given us the gift of the church. This is supposed to be a community of people who can come together and help each other accomplish all that God wants for our lives. And I know we don't do a very good job of that sometimes. And I know I, I struggle with as our church grows and it gets more and more difficult to people connect. Like we, we are not here just so that we can have more and more and more people show up on Sundays. And you know what? I think our church is going to grow like crazy when we get over there. But if we're not allowing people to find the opportunity to experience the community that they need and the support system that they desperately are going to have to have, if God's going to do all that he needs to do in their lives, then we're failing as a body of Christ. That's what excites me, really, about transitioning over to that property. Because, yeah, it's going to be awesome not to set up and tear down anymore. I mean, like, if I could speak in tongues, I would right now about this. But you know what? I think about more what it's going to allow us to do outside of Sunday. The opportunities that it's going to allow us to create to allow people to get into rooms, to get out of rows and get into circles and find the support system that they need. That now we finally have a building and a property and rooms and space to do some things that we want to do to help you not just have an awesome experience on Sunday, but to connect with the right people. I've already told you, we're hoping very soon to launch a Celebrate Recovery program in that space so that people in this room and in our community who are fighting. There's people in this room and in our community that this is the year they've determined they're going to lay it down. They're going to break that habit, put down that bottle, do what they need to do to no longer allow that addiction to have its grips on them. And guess what? There's no way they do it without the support of the right people. It's going to give us a chance to engage even more with our community and connect with other churches. 
Like right now, we have several people in our church, several ladies in our church. Ladies, if you're, if you're a, a woman in this room and you are needing community, you need to connect with an event that's going to be happening hosted by our brothers and sisters at Journey Church. It's called IF. It's the IF Gathering. It started in Texas, and it's a group of women who've just decided they want to get together, pray for each other, empower each other, find their, their identity in Christ Jesus. And so many ladies from our church have been a part of this movement that's starting all around our community. And there are actually going to be a couple volunteers at the Next Steps area as you go out this morning in the lobby. And if you want to connect with that, because you know what, you say, I need relationships. I need other women in my life to support me and pray for me. You need to stop by there and talk to them about attending this event that's hosted by Journey Church this year, but I believe we will host next year. <laughs> Opportunities to connect with people, because all throughout Scripture, we see that it's not just about coming together to worship like we do. It's about coming together in ways that can push each other forward in what God has called us to do. You look at things like Thessalonians chapter 5. Start with verse 12. It says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Then check this out, verse 14. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Warn those who are idle. Now, there's going to come a point in all of our lives when we tend to get a little idle. We're like, spiritually, we stall out. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever just been stuck? Come on, amen. We're like, spiritually, you just feel like you've hit a wall. Or physically, you've hit a wall. Like, we are going to all have a moment in that routine that you're committed to, that you're working, where you feel like you've hit a wall and you've gotten stuck. And you, you need somebody to do to come along beside you or behind you and kick you in the rear end and say, let's go. You can do more. God wants more for your life. There's more that you can accomplish. I'm here. I'm pushing you. Come on. Warn those who are idle. Then look what it says. Encourage the disheartened. Like, you ever been disheartened? Have you ever, have you ever been in a place where you just were done? You weren't seeing the results that you were seeing. You were spiritually stale. You just, whatever. And somebody comes along, and maybe they didn't even know it, but they spoke that word of encouragement. They sent that text. They said something that pushed you forward, something that came, like encouragement. I said this in first service. I don't, it's probably a stupid, encouragement is Gatorade for your soul. Come on. Something that just reinvigorates your spirit at just the right time. And I always think in my life, where would I be? Where would our church be if I hadn't had those people in those moments when I wanted to quit? And yes, there have been some who came in and spoke encouragement into my life at just the right time. God ordained, God sent encouragers who've pushed you through the barriers onto the next level. Come on. Because we need that support of each other. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Like, we need other people. I would even challenge you to say, if that resolution and that routine that you've set can be accomplished all by yourself, it was the wrong resolution and the wrong routine. I would challenge you to start over. If you think, well, I can do this. It was the wrong one. Scratch it out. Erase, erase, erase. Do something new. Because anything that's really worthwhile, anything of eternal significance, I'm convinced, can't be achieved all by ourselves. You need the support of the right people. You need a new pattern. You need a renewed perspective. But you need the support of the right people. 
But I want you to notice all along I've said the right people. Because the wrong people will wreck your routine. That's the thing about people. Oh, people. People, people, people. Those people. Because, see, people can be your greatest asset for what you're trying to accomplish or your biggest obstacle. Relationships have that type of power and influence. Come on. And for some of us, you, the biggest problem that you have trying to move forward in 2018 is you're surrounded by all the wrong people. People that aren't supporting what you're trying to accomplish. They aren't encouraging what God has put in you. Either they don't understand it or they're intimidated by it or something is going on in them where they're jealous or whatever. And the new things that you're trying to do in in, in your life, they resent. And you need to recognize it and you need to be aware of it. Scripture very much says some really important things. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a, a companion of fools suffers harm. Some of y'all are surrounded by fools. <gasps> Man, the Bible says it. I'm going to say it, they fools. <laughs> and they are messing up your life. And their influence is the thing standing between where you are and where God wants you to be. Proverbs 22 Verse 24, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with anyone easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. I could say you may adapt to their pattern or sucked into their routine and get yourself in trouble. See, the wrong is about the right people, not the wrong people. See, the wrong people, they'll criticize your routine. The right people will celebrate it. The wrong people will complicate your routine. The right people will champion it. And there's some people, maybe the thing, it's not the perspective, it's not the pattern. There's people in the room that you need to put some distance between you and the wrong people. And you need to close the distance between you and some of the right ones. That's why we, don't, we, we have to talk more about our student ministry and let you know how awesome it is and what God's doing. And can you imagine being a 14-year-old kid who's just accepted Jesus and every day you go home to a home, to a, a, a family, parents who don't support that decision? That's why it's so important that we have awesome people continuing to serve our students and our kids. Our student ministry is in the best season that it's ever been as I watch awesome new volunteers own that ministry. And they're going to be doing some awesome new things in this space. The first thing they're going to do in that new space is they're going to have an awesome Super Bowl shindig in one of the auditoriums that we have that's going to allow students to come in and just hang out and get, get invested in by people who they need desperately. Because if you're, this was the most disheartening thing as I interact with students who are finding Jesus and going home to families who don't get it, don't understand it, and don't support it. Some of y'all have been those kids along the way. And that's why you need to pray for our student ministry team and continue to support them and allow them to have the opportunity to invest in your students like they need to. Because the wrong people will mess you up. Second thing I need you to know, though, is this. You need their assistance, not their approval. 
You need their assistance, not their approval. See, you need people to assist you along the way, but you don't need their approval. And it's so easy that as people come into our lives and begin to shape us and help us and support us, what once was assistance now becomes approval. And we're just trying to appease them and please them and make them happy. And we end up in this really unhealthy codependent relationship that's not good for either one of us. And so our lives get driven by, well, I'm just trying to please my mom or please my pastor or please my dad or please this. You know what? If you, people pleasing is a dangerous, dangerous habit. Because you know what I find about people pleasing? Once I please you, I've ticked her off. And once I get you happy and her happy, now he's mad. And it's just a dog chasing his tail. Set goals that honor God, not please people. And can I say to you, very often those won't be the same. The routine that you know you need for yourself may frustrate the expectations that others have of you. And you're going to need to learn to be okay with that. Because you need their assistance, but you're not working for their approval. Come on. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. One last thing. There are times we will work together, but there are moments when you will have to stand alone. Now, I I just worked this entire message to tell you how much you need people. But now I want you to understand, though, there are going to be moments, there'll be time, there'll be a lot of times when we work together and we accomplish more. But there are going to be moments when you have to stand alone. There are going to be times when they're not there, or they can't be there, or they don't show up. And you're going to have to determine what you're going to do. Will you still stay the course? Will you still be committed? Will you still work the routine? Or will you give up, walk out, and let go? Because see, here's the thing, you're going to need people and people will walk with you, but there's going to be a time because people are people. And not because they mean to or not because they're trying to, but they're just not able to be there for you in that moment when maybe you feel like you need them the most. And you're going to have to stand alone. And you're going to have to be willing to have the courage to lean into the true source of your strength, Jesus Christ. They were never your source, they were your assistance. He is your source. And if you don't know that, if you don't get that, if you don't accept this, there's going to come that moment when they aren't able to be there and the pressure is going to come and you're going to give up and walk away and fall. Yeah, it's nice to have a workout partner that shows up every morning and pushes you at the gym. But next week when they get the flu, because it's going around, and they can't be there, guess what? You going to keep working the routine or are you going to stay in the bed? It's awesome to have somebody that will come with you to church and sit beside you. But when they happen to have a work schedule and they can't be there, will you still come and allow God to feed your spirit? Come on. And what you've got to realize is, yeah, it's awesome. We need other people. And, and as much as we can, we need their assistance. We need them in our lives. And there are times we will work together, but you're going to have moments as you journey through this life that you're going to have to stand all alone. And maybe you don't have the support that you need for a day, a week, a month, or a season. But you've got to remember, why were you doing it? For them or for him?
Paul figured this out. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but you had no opportunity to show it. You know, that's how Paul Paul said, I'm glad y'all finally said that y'all care. Like, I knew y'all cared, but y'all hadn't said you cared. But then, it was okay, y'all had stuff going on, but then finally you told me you cared. Thanks for telling me you care. Come on. So it's like, okay, I rejoice in the fact that you're telling me you cared, although there was a time when I needed it more than I do right now, but it's okay because y'all were busy. And even he says, verse 11, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Like, I'm not bringing this up because I need it. I'm just kind of making an observation. But then he says this, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I've learned to be content when I'm surrounded by people encouraging me. And I've learned to be content when I'm all by myself. Come on. He says, see, I I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Like, I've learned to be able to do this when I have to do it by myself. Like, yeah, I would prefer to do it with you. I prefer to have that support. But I've learned that there's going to be times when I don't have it. And what I've learned is I've learned to be content and consistent even when it's not there. And then he gives us the reason why. Verse 13. Because I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So he says, because y'all were never my strength. Y'all were never my source. He was. And so when you disappeared, my source and my strength did not. It was in him. And so I was able to keep going. And see, this, you need to learn this. Yeah, you need the support of the right people to achieve what God's calling you to. But you need to understand that your source and your strength will always be in and from and for him. And until you settle that in your spirit, those people won't be any good to you and you won't be any good to them. Would you stand with me? Bow your heads, close your eyes. It's going to be the year. It's going to be your year. The year that you achieve that thing that you've been waiting on. That you hit that target that you've been desiring your whole life. Because you're going to set a new pattern. You're going to do the right things to have the proper perspective. And the good news is, you're already sitting around the right group of people. And maybe you're in the room and the next thing that you need to do to keep moving forward is to go to somebody and utter this very, very difficult phrase. I need help. I need you. I need support. I need encouragement. I need strength. And see, some of you, you've been waiting for it to fall in your lap, and God's pushing you to ask for it. And maybe that's how you need to treat this message today. There's some people in the room, you know what? The biggest obstacle to you achieving all those God-given dreams is you got to put some distance from the wrong people. you got to leave this room and have some hard conversations or make some just really difficult decisions to put some space between you and the wrong people. Maybe for a while, maybe for a lifetime. You love them. They're, they're, not, they're not bad people. God loves them. But right now, they just can't have that role in your life they once did. Or maybe there's people in the room, you know what, you've been too dependent on people. And you need to be dependent on God. 
you need to settle the fact in your spirit that he is your source. He is your strength. We're going to worship. As we do, this is your chance to kind of settle whatever it is God's stirring in you, to pray, to think, to kneel, whatever you feel led to do. But let's use this time to do some work. Father, use this time of worship to speak to people, to minister to them in the power of your spirit, God. And may people do the things that you're calling them to do, make the decisions that they need to make. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.